uh, question, what, what, it, what does faith feel like? I'm just looking for like, you know, visceral responses, just like instinctive responses. What, is, what does faith feel like to you? Re- recognition? That's interesting. A recognition of? A recognition of reality. Ooh, that's deep. You should preach. All right. Uh, what else? What does faith feel like to you? Joy. Faith feels like joy, expresses in joy. Uh, Nina? Faith feels like going to the gym. There's a, there's a lot in there as well. Billy Joe. Trust. Oh, yeah, holy trust. That's a, that's a great synonym. Power. Faith feels like power. Uh, power to or power for. You don't have to see it. You can have power, power anyway. That's the great way to look at it. James. Faith feels like hearing God's voice in your actions. I like that. That's, that's cool. I'm sorry? Faith feels like jumping. Yeah, there's a good uh, instinctive. Uh, hey, Leon's back. Another old timer returning to us. Faith feels like surrender. Good. Deep peace. Deep peace. Not shallow peace. Not the kind of obvious bubbly piece on the top, but deep piece. That's, that's a good word. Hope, what? Anticipation. Hope and anticipation. Those kind of go together. Those are great. Yeah. All right. Well, I, do, I just kind of want to get the idea. You know, when we talk about faith, we can get very cerebral about it. But faith is, well, faith is mostly an attitude. There's a spirit of faith, right? There's a personality of faith. Uh, there's a pulse of faith, and I just wanted to make sure that that's what we're thinking about because I want to talk about uh, faith uh, this morning in a series that we're really doing on, on health and strength and power. Um, I, I, know, I know that you're a person of purpose. Uh, I know that for sure. I know that you're called, that you're called to a destiny. The question is, are you fit enough to carry it out? Are you strong enough to pull it off? I mean, you have a calling. Are you strong enough to pull it off? Last week we talked about the, the Molokai to uh, Oahu uh, paddle race. It happened every year. You could have a great board. Uh, you could be on the shores of Molokai. You can see, you know, Makapu right across the channel. You could have everything. But, but what's going to determine whether or not you make it? Well, it's, it's fitness, right? It's strength. It's whether or not you're healthy and powerful enough to pull it off. And a lot of life is like that. A lot of spiritual life is, is like that as well. In this sermon series on health and, and power and strength, we're taking a look at what's, what's under your hood. What kind of engine do you have? You know, you could have the vehicle, you could have the direction, but is your engine running well? Are you healthy? Uh, when we're talking about uh, believers, we're talking about followers of Jesus, the portrait of health is Jesus himself. I mean, we're really called to look like Jesus. If we're healthy, we will look like Jesus looks. What did Jesus look like? Well, I mean, that's kind of a lifelong meditation, but he was, he was powerful. Whatever else you could say about him, he often looked rough. He was often mistreated. Uh, his life in some ways uh, looked kind of meager, uh, but he was a, a powerful, resilient individual, uh, such that death could not even keep him down, 
And although he didn't have a lot of worldly strength, he, of course, ended up changing the world uh, forever. Uh, I would sum it up by saying a healthy believer is a miracle worker. Truly, I would say that. A healthy believer is a miracle worker. Uh, you're, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be free from suffering. But you're going to be really strong. You're going to have a great engine. You're going to be vital, filled with life. And there's something about you that's going to be a little bit miraculous. And that is our picture of health. That's what we're after. Everybody kind of following that so far? Say amen. Say, say go. Give me a Super Bowl cheer. Dog on it. Go Patriots does not count. Health and power are largely determined by what you do for empowerment. We talked about this a little bit uh, last week. People do things that make them feel powerful. People do the things that make them feel powerful in, in life. Uh, the question is, do you do things that make you powerful truly, or do you do things that only make you feel powerful in the moment, powerful in the short term? Healthy, healthy people do things that actually make them powerful. Unhealthy people do things that make them feel powerful in the short term, but which ultimately weaken them. Uh, healthy people eat healthy food, and that makes them powerful. Unhealthy people eat food that makes them feel comforted and happy for a moment. But that does not work in the long term. Uh, comfort food will typically weaken us uh, if we eat it uh, long term. Uh, exercising, going to the gym makes us powerful. It might actually make us feel weak in the moment. But of course, it's making us strong and healthy uh, over time. Um, we do all sorts of things to make us feel strong and comforted in the moment. You know, we click the mouse and the world does whatever we say. That's a big one in younger generations, right? The mouse click makes you feel very powerful. You get all sorts of gratification that way, but does it make you powerful truly? Uh, we go shopping and we plop down the credit card and people give us whatever we want. That makes us feel powerful in the short term, doesn't it? But does it make us feel powerful when the bills come? Does, does buying things really make us feel powerful and healthy at all uh, once the dust settles? Probably not. Uh, you get the idea. In what ways do you seek empowerment in your life? That determines whether or not you're a healthy person. Uh, do you, uh, today we're looking at the question, do you empower yourself through faith? Or do you instead empower yourself through not faith? Do you empower yourself through cynicism or fear? Now these are two strategies that people use. There's a strategy where you try to empower yourself, where you try to get healthy, through the attitude of faith. But there's also a strategy in which you try to empower yourself and feel powerful through the healthy, through the strategy of, of cynicism or fear. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you think that's true? You ever, ever known anyone that feels good when they're anxious and fretting? It's energizing to be in a crisis sometimes. Or do you know anyone who tries to feel strong through being really cynical and critical, right? Uh, I spent a lot of years in higher academia. Cynicism is a god. 
in higher academia, right? If you can be critical of ideas, you can be dumb as a carrot but come across as powerful. And that's the first lesson that everybody learns in college is to be critical because that's the, that's the fastest route to feeling smart. But does it really bring you any wisdom? You know, you, you have to be creative. You have to discover things uh, to be wise, and that, that's, a, that's a harder discipline uh, by far. And a lot of times in life, when we are faced with crises, when we are faced with, you know, the storms of life, one thing we do to get powerful is that we get very cynical. Instead of saying, here we go, we say, here we go again. And it makes us feel kind of solid and secure. We know what's coming. I've seen this before. This is life. I'm just going to accept it. It's not going to get to me. I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to be fooled because I'm too powerful for that. But over time, that makes you very sick. It makes you very weak. What makes you strong is the attitude of faith that we talked about. Joy and thankfulness and hope and expectation, positive hope, positive expectation, and, and working out and working through and surrender to God, all of that stuff, that attitude of faith, is what makes us strong in the long term, but it can be quite uh, a fight. Now, before we dive into the meat of it, I want to uh, make a distinction between having faith and moving in faith. Huge difference, all right? So when I use that phrase, having faith, what I mean is, you know, you believe in something. Like, how many of you believe there is a God in the universe? All right, large majority of us believe that there is a God in the universe. So does Satan. Satan believes there's a God in the universe. Uh, but Satan does not move in faith, right? He doesn't follow through on the things that that general belief should, should lead to. What makes you strong is not having faith. What makes you strong is not agreeing with Christian doctrine. What makes you strong is not believing that Jesus was a good and moral teacher or even that Jesus is who Jesus said he was. That doesn't make you strong. What makes you strong and healthy is moving through life in accordance with that belief. If Jesus is who he says he is, if there is a God, if God is kind, if God is powerful, and if God is involved with us like we think he is, then what do we do in this moment of crisis? Do we move in faith or do we move in fear, cynicism, doubt, criticism, or whatever? That moving in faith is what makes you strong. Everybody follow that? I think faith is the way to move through life. I think faith is a martial art. I think faith is the way to fight. It's an attitude that you have to choose. It is not a conclusion that you come to. Follow me? All right. And with that clarified, let's look at our scripture for the day. Uh, it's, a, it's an iconic story, famous story about Jesus uh, calming the storm. I chose the version from Mark 4. There are others. You know what happens in this, right? Jesus is in a boat with the disciples. A storm comes, and Jesus calms the storm. He just stands up. He commands it to go away, and it does. You know that. So let's just kind of look at some of the details and the circumstances of this story, and I want you to think about moving in faith uh, versus moving in fear. I want you to think about how moving in faith releases health and power and how moving in fear is kind of a false comfort. Uh, here we go. 
Uh, that day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. He means the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. You may recall that uh, a good portion of the disciples were fishermen. They were good with boats. They were around boats. They had a boat, so they take off across the lake in some part to get away from the crowds. There were also other boats with him. So much for getting away from the crowds. A furious, a furious squall came up. Indeed, that lake was famous for the squalls that would come up out of nowhere. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The dude was wiped out, and he was snoring away while the boat was getting swamped in a, not just a squall, but a furious squall. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? There's just a lot in that sentence, right? It's not like, teacher, help. It's like, teacher, don't you care? You know, like, I'm, I'm not just asking for help. I'm doubting your intentions, <laughs> you know. Um, it's deeply doubtful, uh, but kind of understandable given the circumstances. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Uh, in in the, the Greek, the word uh, literally means, you know, shut up. He just tells the, tells the storm to be quiet. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Good story. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? At which point, they were terrified. That's uh, not the response that Jesus was looking for, probably. Why are you so afraid? Ah! No. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This dude has a lot of power. And hopefully they thought about that some. Uh, familiar story, right? A lot of you have probably heard that before. What, what I want you to think about in this story is, is what a stupid question Jesus asks. Right? It's a stupid question. There's this furious squall. These are seasoned fishermen, and even they are freaked out. So it must have been an incredible storm. Right? They think they're going to die, uh, and, and, uh, and they wake him up. They say something to him that's a little bit insulting, but he doesn't address that. He doesn't address that. He says, why are you afraid? Which is a stupid question. Why were they afraid? There was this big honking storm, and they were about to die. I mean, it's obvious why they were afraid in, in the sense that there was a serious situation going on. And when Jesus says, why are you afraid, I don't think he intends to debate the weather with them. Because on one level, it's obvious why they were afraid. They were afraid because there was a serious life and death threat manifesting at precisely that moment. And they thought it was over. And they were disappointed by that. That's why they were afraid. That much is obvious. Jesus is not so stupid that, you know, he was saying, why, are you, why were you afraid of that storm? He wasn't saying, the storm's no big deal. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that uh, to fishermen who knew a serious storm from a mild storm. Why, why did he say that? Why did he say, why are you afraid? What was really going on there? 
And I think it's the opposite of what we might first understand about the story. He wasn't saying, hey, why are you freaked out? As if the storm was not freaky. What he was saying is, that storm was really, really bad, so why were you moving in fear? When things are really, really bad, when things are life-threatening, that's precisely the moment in which you need to move in faith because the outcome hangs in the balance. You understand the difference? This was a critical moment in your existence. This is when the fight was pressed the hardest against you, and it's those moments in which you need to release maximum power, maximum strength. So why in the world would you make a choice for fear in that moment? Have I taught you nothing? As he says, have you still such little faith? I mean, don't you understand how this works, boys? When things are bad, you need to be strongest. When you need to be strongest and most powerful, that's when you move in faith, because faith releases power. Is this not clear to you? And obviously it was not at that point. They were still looking at the circumstances. Do you understand the principle? Right? He wasn't in denial about the severity of the situation. He understood the severity of the situation and prescribed faith as the only way to overcome it. If the situation is bad and you move in doubt, you're done for. If the situation is bad and you move in faith, something good will happen. You will release as much power as possible in that moment. And that's the Jesus teaching. We see it all throughout the Gospels. <clears throat> this story, I think, just shows it really concisely. You following? <clears throat> uh, people, people know this uh, in the world. Uh, there's going to be a football game played in a little while. And every one of those professional athletes has learned swagger. Right? You hear, you hear that a lot in, in athletics. You have to approach the event with extreme confidence. You have to brag a little bit before the event, unless you're a patriot. You don't say anything if you're a patriot, right? It's Bill Belichick culture. I digress. Um, <laughs> but when you go into a serious battle, you have to be confident. Are you confident because you know the battle's not serious? No, you're confident because that's the only way to win a serious battle. So you swagger, you know, you puff out your chest, you act a little bit intimidating because that's how you're going to get your best performance. You might lose. I mean, failure happens. And that's precisely why you need to be confident, because failure is an option. <laughs> right? If you're fearful and there's a real risk of failure, then it just increases your chance for failure. And that's just confidence at the human level. You know, it's good to be confident in yourself when you do something difficult. But imagine a confidence that doesn't just release your power. Imagine a confidence that releases the power of God in you. And that's really what Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit are about. Faith releases that. That confidence releases that. Confidence, confide, with faith. The word means with faith. And in this story, Jesus was literally dripping with confidence. See what I did there? The storm. You have no faith have no thankfulness or joy. All right, there you go. You following me? It's not, it's not arrogance uh, when we believe uh, we move in the power of God. It's, it's combat. You know, it's a method 
for releasing the maximum amount of health in your life. If you move in that sort of confidence, no matter what the situation is, uh, God is kind, God is good, and God is involved with me. I think something good can come out of this. It might even be that a miracle could happen here. When you have that kind of confidence, you'll be a healthy person. If you don't have that kind of confidence in your life, you will not be a healthy person. Right? You're either going to be full of faith or you're going to be filled with cynicism. If you don't have faith, if you don't move in faith, ultimately you will be sick and weak. And you will create a lot of sickness and weakness around you. All right? You could be the most compassionate person in the world, but if you don't have faith, you'll be sick. You'll end up just being depressed. Compassion without faith is depression. You could be the most, I don't know, justice-oriented person in the world. You could really, you know, be a, a warrior for the downtrodden. But if you don't have faith in God, you'll just become bitter and angry all the time. You'll become acerbic and cynical. And you won't bring justice, you'll just bring protest at best. You know what I'm saying? You need faith. Otherwise, you're going to be sick. You need faith. It's the keystone of, of what we're doing uh, in, in the world. So when things get stormy or prospects are uncertain or intimidating, there's always this moment of transaction that we have in which we decide whether to meet this fearsome thing with fear or to meet this fearsome thing with faith. Do we say, here we go! Or do we say, uh, here we go again? That's often what it's like uh, for me anyway. And this is not to deny that there are truly fearsome circumstances in the world. It's just to say that the best way to meet them is with the martial art of faith attitude. That's how we fight best. Jesus said that moving in faith can move mountains. I mean, faith is extraordinarily powerful. If we become black belts in faith, you know, it doesn't take much to do incredible things. Jesus was sometimes surprised by the amount of faith he found in people. There are a lot of stories in Scripture about that. Like, you know, the woman with the hemorrhage. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She snuck up behind Jesus and she touched him. And he was like, who did that? Who did that? He, he wasn't even, you know, an active part of that miracle. And he finally found the woman and she told him her story. I'd been sick for 12 whole years. I came out into the crowd even though I was ceremonially unclean. I touched you. I got a miracle. And he said, woman, you have great faith. Your faith has healed you. He was surprised by the amount of faith that she had. He is often surprised, surprised by the faith the centurion had. Jesus, just say the word and, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, wow, I haven't found that much faith even in Israel. And this foreign, this Roman a military officer is showing you guys all up. Wow, wow. Faith often surprises Jesus. Jesus is often surprised by the faith he finds in people, but he's never surprised by the miracle that follows that faith. Do you notice? That he takes as a matter of course. Well, with faith like that, pff, your servant's healed. With faith like that, pff, go in peace, you're well. Go tell people about it. I don't even need to do anything more. Often surprised by faith, never surprised when faith brings a miracle. And I think that should be our attitude uh, as well. 
moving in faith can move mountains, and at the very least, moving in faith honors God and will bring you closer to God, which is itself really healthy. Nine times in the gospel, Jesus explains a miracle with reference to the faith of the participants, uh, depending a little bit on how you count. You know, nine times he says something like, whew, your faith has healed you. You know, I mean, you know, the power of God clearly had something to do with it, but I think what Jesus is saying here is this shows what moving in an attitude of faith can accomplish. So everybody notice this is what moving in faith does. He said that so often that when the disciples freaked out in the face of the storm and chose fear instead of faith, he was just mystified and frustrated. Really, guys? Have you not been following along? Faith is how you get through these things. Faith. And Jesus calms the storm. And he's not even, he's just like, shut up. All right, let's go back to the basics. It's almost like the miracle is a sideshow for him, right? The crux of the matter was the, the faith that the disciples, in this case, uh, did not have. My favorite um, story of, of Jesus getting surprised by faith in people uh, comes from his interaction with uh, the Canaanite woman. In Mark, she's called the Syrophoenician woman, and Matthew, a Canaanite woman. <clears throat> the version from Matthew 15 uh, goes like this. What's happening is Jesus has taken his guys, and he's trying to go on a vacation. So he's left the territory of Israel. He's heading north. And leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, the Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. So she's not an Israelite. She's not a Jew. Uh, she does not follow you know, their religion, but she's heard something about Jesus. And so she runs up to him while he's trying to get away, while he's trying to take a break and says, hey, uh, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. Cold. You know, what's, what's going on here? I think what's going on is Jesus is trying to follow a direction of, of Father God. He's like, I need a break. I need to take my disciples away. I need to get them grounded in some of the lessons they should be learning. Otherwise, this whole ministry of mine is going to founder. So, you know, it's not the time for that, honey. I'm sorry. So his disciples came to him and urged him, you know, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So they also, moving in great compassion. <laughs> and he answered them, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, like, you know, my purpose, my vision, my commandment from Father God is to minister to the Jews only. And in saying that, you hear a little bit of confession in, in him. He's saying, uh... I can only minister to the Jews right now, dot, dot, dot. I love the helper, but I can't really do that. I would feel it would be a bit disobedient to my calling. So I'm just trying to ignore her. Um, you know, I'm not going to send her away because I'm not that mean, but I can't really deal with it. This is a moment of tension for Jesus probably. The woman came and knelt before him. Oh, my gosh. Lord, help me, she said. And he replies, finally, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Uh, the Jews call the Gentiles doggies. Uh, and it's the diminutive form of that word. It's, you know, it's like you might call Chinese people pake, right? Um, it's like it's a little bit insulting, but not, not as bad as it sounds on, on first blush if you understand the culture. Uh, so, you know, I... 
what he's trying to do is, with a smile on his face, get her out of there and explain the situation. It's like, I, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm over here doing this thing. I can't deal with you right now. Sorry. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. It's an incredibly humble thing to say. It's like, I'm, I'm just here to look up the crumbs. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. What I love about this story is that Jesus said no. Right? The Lord himself, when she asked for a miracle, he said no. He said no. But her faith still won. God said no, but she still moved in faith attitude. At which point the Lord was like, okay, that, that's just mind-blowing faith. What can I do? You know, it, you have just released so much power that, you know, there's nothing else to be done. Your daughter's healed. You know, it's, he didn't even say, you know, I heal, I heal your daughter in, in the name of, of God. He didn't say, oh, Father, please. He's just like, it's done. It's, I mean, that kind of faith just releases miracles. What can you do? Awesome. Way to go. Knuckle bump. Um, a fabulous story, right? It's just, it's just a, he said no. He said no, and the miracle still happened. That's how important it is to him uh, that we learn to move in, in faith attitude. Why does God design the universe that way? And I think it is a design. I think the universe is designed in such a way that when we move in faith in God, power is released period. That's just how the design is because, and you've probably heard me say this a hundred times, is because the point of life is to learn to trust God, right? It's not to believe that God exists. It's to trust in God's goodness. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve knew God existed. They walked with him, but they did not trust him to be good to them, and so they got screwed up. And so they were open to deception, and, and the rest is, is violent history, what we lacked in the Garden of Eden is what we often lack today, this expectation that God will be good to us, this, this commitment to move in faith no matter what, no matter what deceptions, no matter what circumstances uh, befall us. And therefore, the design of our world is such that when we move in that kind of positive expectation, positive power is released in a huge way even if it's not exactly in accordance with the plan of God, as it turns out in Matthew 15, right? I mean, Jesus had a plan. Her faith was not in accordance with that plan. Which, which one? The faith one, right? Because that's the point of everything, is to trust in God's goodness. It's the trump card. I'm sorry, I said I wasn't going to say trump, but, you know, it's, it wins the day every time. You can, you need to act as God is good and involved with you, no matter what. Uh, I want to say, uh, as we begin to close, that some lives need more faith than others. Some of you need more faith than others of us do. You know, like with the hemorrhaging woman that came up behind Jesus. Uh, she had been religiously outcast. The doctors had treated her for 12 years unsuccessfully and taken all of her money. I mean, a really, really bad situation. To come out of her house to risk death by the crowd... Uh, because she was in an unclean state. She shouldn't have been out in public. 
to do all that and to sneak up behind Jesus and to think, just by touching him, I'll get better. There was no rational reason for her to do that. Just, just to make that effort required such a huge amount of faith that when Jesus heard the story, he was like, wow, that was irrational faith. I mean, that was, that was like inexplicable faith. You got the miracle. And, and some lives are like that, you know. Your life might be a lot harder than my life. My life might be a lot harder than your life. You can't really judge necessarily from the outside uh, who's moving in faith and who's not. You know, I, I read a, a biography recently of one of the uh, really nationally famous pastors that fell into disrepute over the last couple of years and ended up dying an untimely death preached the prosperity gospel. You know, I am rich and I am healthy and powerful and successful because I have such faith. And then it was all taken from him pretty much overnight. Um, you can't look at a person's life and say, oh, well, obviously that person is blessed by God because they have a lot of faith. Sometimes the reason you have a lot of faith is because God has visited you with so many challenges in life, right? The point of this life is not to be rich and prosperous and, you know, obviously successful. The point is to trust God. And if you trust God, your life will be fruitful, even if it doesn't look super comfortable and successful. You look at Jesus from the outside, and he looked like a beggar who was treated roughly and killed. But he changed the world, and like I said, not even death could hold him down. Now, that's healthy. That's healthy. Some of you will need more faith than others, and I, I, just, I just honor that. I just think it's really important to honor that, to honor you for what you do with your life. That's just huge. And my heroes, the people that really inspire me, are the people that just go through hell with faith. And I just like to hang out with those people. You know, they might look small, in the eyes of the world, but I'm wise enough now at this point in my life to appreciate it. And there's just lots of those people around Blue Water. Glorious, glorious stuff. I hope we're the kind of community that recognizes it when we see it. Um, challenges come. Disappointments come. Disappointment is the thing that rocks my faith more than any other. You know, it's not challenge. It's like disappointment. It's like I really, really tried hard, and it didn't work out. That's crushing. It's crushing to me. And what I've learned sometimes is that great faith is what you do in those moments of disappointment. Do you continue to trust God and move in faith? Or uh, do you choose uh, cynicism instead? Faith isn't gullibility. I think anyone who follows God in faith asks a lot of questions. I do, because my faith requires me to take weird risks and to get involved in lots of crazy situations and to endure probably more pain than a non-believer uh, typically endures. You know what I'm saying? Anybody who's been following Jesus a long time? Um, it's it's years, easier to believe in God if you don't test your belief. <laughs> it's harder to believe in God if you actually follow after Jesus. Um, so there are lots of questions in my life. Why, why did this happen? Why did this not happen? Uh, but the point, I think, is to question in faith. There's a big difference between questioning and doubting. 
you know. There's a way to say, wow, I didn't see that coming, God. It seems like you really let us down. What's going on here? There's a way to ask that question in faith, and there's a way to ask it in anger and doubt. If you ask it in faith, then ultimately you'll get some sort of wisdom or revelation from it, even if God doesn't ask, answer your question specifically. Uh, here's something about me. I think those of you who know me uh, might think that this is true. Uh, when things suck in your life, I'm the right guy to talk to. I'm, I'm good when you're in a corner. I really am. And the reason I'm good when you're in a corner is because there have been so many experiences in my life where I've been in a corner where my life has sucked and I've taken my questions and sort of set them over here and gone on with my, my faith business. All right? I've learned to live in tension in that way. No matter what, even if I don't have the answers, even if it's not convenient for me, I will continue on. And I have done that so often that I can bless you with that. Not something to brag about, really, you know, because when you think about it, what I'm saying is, I failed a lot, so I'm really good at failure. Um, but when you feel like you're in a moment of failure, either you failed or someone has failed you or something like that, you know, it's a valuable ministry skill for a pastor to have. And it comes from faith. It comes from a sort of defiant faith, no matter what, even though, in spite of, I will continue to move in faith. And some of you have exercised that sort of faith attitude. And it's powerful, and it makes you really powerful for people who are in trouble or people who are in despair. And I think that, too, is a gift that Blue Water has in, in, a, in a rare way. Life is hard, oftentimes. I'll say that when life is hard, it's sometimes tempting to look for sympathy. When life is hard, it's often tempting to look for escape. A little sympathy and a little diversion are not necessarily bad things. But when life is hard, what you really need to look for is strength, not sympathy and not escape, but, but strength. And strength always comes through faith. Faith is the key that releases all the stuff, the joy, the resilience, the positivity uh, that releases strength in your life. Okay, how do you move better in faith? Sermons are supposed to be practical. What do you do to move better in faith? And, uh, you know, things, things get slippery here. If you were to ask me, what, what do I do to be more healthy physically? I mean, the thing is, there's no one answer, you know. Like, eat your vegetables, sure, but... That's not the only thing, you know, probably more, of, more vegetables would be good in your diet, but you know what else would be good? Exercise would be good, and you know what else would be good? Rest would be good, or attending to medical needs and stuff like that. Health is always a combination of, of positive factors. Uh, what can I do to move in faith better? Well, it could be a whole combination of things, so I look for ways to kind of summarize, uh, and I came up with a Forrest Gumpy sort of answer. Uh, faith is as faith does and says. Um, you know, what is, really, you, you get stronger by exercising faith, and we exercise faith mostly uh, through what we do and, and what we say. Uh, is a, a dream that I had that I've used before in sermons during uh, my period of most savage depression when I was uh, 
living in Chicago in grad school. I was near suicidally depressed um, and, and trying to claw my way through that. And I had this dream one night. I wasn't even, you know, that close to Christmas, but in the dream, uh, I had a Christmas stocking and Santa was in the background some way. And uh, the dream was, in a nutshell, that when I said something positive, my Christmas stocking got bigger. You know? And then I'd say something positive and I got bigger again until that sucker was about eight and a half feet long. And then I heard the voice of the Lord in the dream. It's like, when you say positive things, you create space for me to give you gifts. You know, to stuff your Christmas stocking. Uh, and that's really hard for me because I don't gush positivity. Anybody? Anybody? Amen. You don't. I gush sarcasm. I, I, I gush dry wit. I, I gush cool calculating insight. But positivity is not really my thing. All right? I can do it. Positivity is my wife's thing. And so I married her, and it's a big blessing to me. And and a constant source of friction because she's saying positive things and I'm like, I cannot contain, cannot contain. Um, God's little genius and his humor puts us, puts us together. Uh, so it was a challenge of God to, to get me to confess positive things. You know, faith, faith is as, as faith does. It's one of those areas in life where talk is not cheap. You know, it's one of those areas of life where talk is really powerful. So say positive things. Instead of saying, oh, well, or, well, yeah, we'll see. Say, it is well. <laughs> or, uh, faith is the substance of things unseen. You know, you can twist it in a way uh, that sounds really faithful. I can't wait to see what God does next. In some way, make that confession, and it counts for a lot. It counts for a lot you will often follow where your words go. But of course, you have to act in faith as well. Faith is as faith does. How would you act if you really thought that miracles were possible? You know, we have to focus forward. We have to be optimistic and resilient because sometimes failure happens. Sometimes disaster happens. Sometimes tragedy happens. Focus forward. Pop up and keep going. Why? Because disaster is not going to happen anymore? No, because faith is how you get through disaster. And faith is how you bring blessing even in the midst of disaster. You get it? Faith is a martial art. It is a mode of fighting. Be thankful always. Be thankful always. You don't necessarily need to be thankful for everything that happens because, you know, crap happens. Um, but you need to be thankful even in the midst of it. I... I I'm not advocating denial or gullibility. I'm just saying, you know, God is good. Something can come from this. I'm thankful for that. That attitude. Speak and act as if God is good to you and will be again. The reason I ask, what does faith feel like? It's because really kind of intuitively we all know. Just don't forget it. Don't forget it on good days and don't forget it on bad days. And finally, to close a plea that we would be a community of faith because I think that's just so key to health. It's, like, it's easier to work out when you go to a gym because everybody else is doing it and you feel stupid if you're just sitting on a bench eating chips. <laughs> and I would like Blue Water to be sort of a faith gym where you walk in and you feel stupid if you're just cynical 
if you don't expect miracles, you should feel a little bit shy around here. Right? Not, not because life is easy and sunshine and roses all the time, but because, you know, faith is the key, and this is where it happens. And if you can't trust your community to inspire you in faith, then find a different community, you know? And what we need to do is to move in faith so that we can share it around, so that we can inspire one another. What would it be like for you to be faith for the person next to you? Now, one, one helpful advantage is that it's often easier to believe for somebody else than it is to believe for you. Have you noticed this? Because you know what junk you are. And you have your own personal history that you're trying to live down. And, you know, the, own, the sting of your own disappointments. But for someone else, it's easy to have faith for them. And so, that's great. That's great. That means that we should be together believing for one another, saying positive, faith-filled things.